Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. I am your host, John. With me, as always, is Jeff. Hello there. And this week, we are watching what I I didn't realize was Australian, but an Australian film called <laughs> BMX Bandits. I would have figured you would know it's Australian, given the one thing anyone knows about this movie. Uh, well, the one thing I knew about this movie was its relationship to Angel Summoners. <laughs> You'll see, the one thing most people know about this movie is that it's like, features a cherubic 14-year-old Nicole Kidman. Yeah, see, I knew nothing about this movie going in. I, for some reason, was like, oh, this is probably going to be like an American, like, garbage action film. And instead, it was an Australian garbage, mostly comedy-ish film? I mean, it's supposed to be a comedy. I'll give it that much. Yeah, like, I mean, there's it's definitely probably comedy being, beats. It's definitely being sold as a comedy. Uh, but no, I knew going in uh, that this movie had Nicole Kidman in it as a, a young kid, and I also knew that Nicole Kidman is basically like from the worst kind of Australian city. So I kind of figured <laughs> it was probably, I put two and two together and was like, this is probably an Aussie movie. Yeah, I had no idea until I started the movie, and then it was like, Nicole Kidman, and I went, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> well, weren't you excited, as excited as I was to see the the also in the cast, Angelo D'Angelo? Yes, obviously. <laughs> It's too bad he sucks. <laughs> I mean, of our three main characters, he is definitely the weakest link. I mean, ultimately, you've got two Australian child actors who went nowhere, and you've got Nicole Kidman, so that's hardly a fair comparison. I mean, honestly, Nicole Kidman, still not my favorite person in this. Uh, oh, are you Are you a goose man? Oh, I'm a goose man through and through. Okay, I, I assume that's just residual Top Gun energy. <laughs> that's right. He channels Top Gun. <laughs> a movie that would come out two years later. Yes, indeed. <laughs> a, a movie so influenced by BMX bandits. A movie that went back in time and emanated through the airwaves to create BMX bandits in Australia. Oh, yeah. You know, time swirls down the drain the other way over there, so... <laughs> That's right. Time goes backwards over there. Everyone's mm -hmm. like Merlin in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so BMX Bandits is a family-friendly comedy about, well, almost family-friendly, not quite, about three adorable young ragamuffins in the kind of Australian town that you're going to think is super expensive because Australia has a lot of available beach, so even the shitty parts of it are near the beach. Uh, from what uh, I can tell, it's supposed to be Sydney. I, sure, why not? Uh, and they all like BMX biking, and although you'd think that'd be the, the core of the film, in fact, the film is more of a crime caper kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into the full explanation of everything on this, but when it started out and it was like, hey, this is rated G for fucking everybody, I was like, really? Man, now uh, I'm I'm real disappointed. <laughs> I'm not even going to get a swear out of this. Maybe we should have watched the other BMX movie that was a cult classic from the early 80s. I think it's called Rad. <laughs> I mean, and, probably at some point, yeah. I mean, eventually. I, honestly, I, I feel like there's a whole genre of movies about sports that people gave a shit about for like three minutes. Hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, because that, there's that Mystery Science Theater episode about side hackers, which is about like chariot racing on motorcycles. 
Yeah. Which is like, God. it's hard to even prove that that's what side hacking was because nowadays side hacking means putting apps on a phone that isn't supposed to have those apps. Hmm. And, hmm. and so when you try to be like, okay, are there people still out there like side hacking, like, like building little platforms stuck to motorcycles and like chariot fighting in them? No, it, you can't. There's no proof that it. there's pretty much just references to that one movie. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was amazed at the level of non-BMX stuff in this. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was also amazed at the level of BMX stuff in this, because, I mean, and by BMX stuff, I mean boring BMX stuff. There's a real split in this movie where, like, the first half hour, no one has a BMX, and then the rest of the movie, it is only BMX writing. I do appreciate that the movie manages to, well, you know what? That's the ending of the film. Why don't we do that on the other side of the break? Sure thing. We are going to go ahead and take a break so that we can come back and do a full spoiler review for those that want to go watch BMX Bandits. Mm-hmm. If you want to, it's, fr- it's, it's free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you can go watch it for free. There's nothing stopping you as long as you give money to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, if you have Amazon Prime. I should even say it's free on Amazon Prime. I should say it's included in the collection of benefits you receive for voluntarily paying for Amazon Prime. Indeed. Uh, I'll just let you know right now, it's about as boring as you would assume a BMX movie from Australia in 1982 is. Uh, It's more boring than that. And (laughs) we'll see you on the other side. All right. We'll be back with a full BMX Bandits. We are back and it is time to... Pop a wheelie on BMX bandits. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we really might as well... spin our handlebars back and forth. We should really start where the movie starts, which is the, one of the two songs that Australian musicians recorded about BMXs, both of which are in this film. Uh, and of course. Two kids putting on just incredible amounts of safety equipment just just for a long time. It looks like they're doing a superhero su- uh, suit up sequence. Yeah, they've got, you know, every single type of pad you can get. They've got a helmet and full face mask. And, you know, it's not like they're about to go compete in any kind of measurable way. They're just going to go ride around town. So it feels a little silly. But I guess, you know what? If they were trying to spread the message of BMX safety, that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. And with all of that lead up, I was like, oh, we're about to see some sweet BMX stunts because they got to put on all this protective gear. So they got to be about to do something ridiculous. And it's like. I made my bike hop a little. Well, I mean, ultimately, they put on all that protective gear so you don't notice when they switch them with the with the professional stunt cyclists. Which uh, is fine for the first two, because our, our first two main characters that we start out with, uh, PJ and Goose, mm-hmm. are just a, a couple of chuckleheads from Sydney. But once Nicole Kidman gets in here and later on she starts riding a bike, man, it's noticeable when they replace her with some guy. Oh, yeah. Very noticeable when the dude dressed as Nicole Kidman goes by. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, PJ and Goose are supposed to be like down on their luck guys who have spent all the money they have on some sweet ripping BMX bikes in blue and yellow, respectively. Uh, And they do indeed go all, all around the lanes and hills of Sydney doing a bunch of 
you know, impressive for the 80s bike tricks, like doing, like John was saying, they're doing some bunny hopping. They're doing some spinning the front handlebars while wheeling. One of them can surf his bike a little bit. Yeah, that was the only thing where I was like, oh, look, you can actually do a thing. The rest of it is like, I can do the very most basic of tricks. So here's, uh, if you want to get a sense of the experience of watching this film, there are, there are basically three components. We're seeing the first one now, and that is you watch bikes go by, and every time they go by, they go as if they have their own cool laser special effects. Yeah. <laughs> the, God, the, uh, the sounds. <laughs> At first, I didn't really notice, because like I said, you're going to get this at the start right now uh, with them biking around, but they are very quickly going to wreck their bikes and not have them for about 35 minutes of this. Uh, yeah, that is true. They are going to lose their bikes for a while. I, I noticed so maybe I just have a different level of irritation with it than you. I mean, we know that's true. Um, oh, yeah. But I noticed immediately, because the first time they went down a hill on the bikes, it was like, Pshew! And I was like, oh, no, it's going to be one of those where the, where the bikes make <laughs> cool, make laser noises every time they do anything. And indeed, they did. Now, Oh, yeah. Like, See, I thought when it first started and we had some laser noises, it didn't really register too much with me because it was the intro of the movie. And I'm like, yeah, they want to make as much, you know, pomp and circumstance as possible. <laughs> They're going to do all their tricks. They're going to make some noises, whatever. We'll get that out of the way. But no, when there's like... Hey, we went down a slope barely later in the film, and it's like, Pishu! it's every time That's the bikes just, go by. It's just ridiculous. And, and here's the other thing: I really want to drive this home because I'm talking about one of the three or four core elements to what the experience of this film. Uh, watching bikes go by is eighty percent of the movie, uh, and, mm. and and the problem you run into is that they have two kids who are your, well, three kids who are your star, but we start with two. And if one of them does a trick, you can be sure the other one's about to do the same trick. And we're going to hold on the camera while he does it. And we're going to play pew for both of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's as John thing, mentioned, go ahead. It's one thing in the beginning where at least they're kind of like side by side doing stuff. So like one of them surfing the bike and the other one's kind of doing a wheelie. So it's not quite as bad. Mm -hmm. But once all three of them are together and they're spending most of their time on bikes just sort of running away from people. It's just, I went down this hill, and then I did, and then I did. And mm -hmm. it went bajou for all three of us. Uh-huh. Like, there was a point in the movie where Nicole Kidman could finally afford a bike, and my first thought on seeing her in a bike store trying on, like, bike pants was, ah, shit, now we're going to watch three bikes go by instead of two. <laughs> and indeed, that is the majority of content beyond that point. Anyway, these two kids are local hooligans. They're biking around. They're having a good time. They're upsetting the peace by biking over people and doing tricks. Yes, indeed. They have a local constable tell them that they need to get their tomfoolery out of here for it's illegal to ride your bikes in the plaza. Yeah, the street cops in this movie are bizarrely angry. They're like... Dennis the Menace level, Mr. Wilson angry all the time at everybody. And when I say, when I say Mr. Wilson, I mean they're largely ineffectually angry. Like if you even oh, yeah. wave, if you even wave to a cop in this movie, they're like, oh, "All right, piss off you!" And you're just like, "Whoa, what? What? I thought you were like a public servant." Or, no, I, I hate you. Also, I'm British now. Uh, yeah, my Australian accent's not great. Fuck off. So, um, no, well, the there's only one cop in this movie that's even remotely nice, and it's the lady cop. 
Well, no, I mean, the police chief's kind of nice, too. The lady cop, who we only encounter after the radio shit starts, uh, the lady cop is indescribably horny for every other cop. It is remarkably true. She is eye-fucking everyone who gets near her. (laughs) Now, John and I have not discussed this movie or we didn't we can't watch these things together anymore. So we hadn't had we didn't have a pre-show discussion on this one. So I'm glad you're with me that she was just aggressively undressing every cop who comes near her. Oh yeah. She was just chipper but also like, "Hey, how you doing? What's up? I want you to know my safe word is I don't have a safe word." <laughs> uh, so the the two gentlemen PJ and Goose are going to very quickly run into Nicole Kidman in this, almost literally because she works as a cart girl for some grocery store. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Local fat is... bully. Known only <laughs> local, in... <laughs> local bully that also bullies uh, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is literally only named The Creep. That's the only name he gets in the movie. Uh, he's this little fat boy, so he is equal parts mean and... Uh, pitiable because he's dumb, rich, mean, poor, uh, everything. He's just every kind of it's okay to dump on this kid that you can do. Yeah, he is just a little creep and he just pushes some carts away from the chain of carts that Nicole Kidman has. Yeah. uh, Judy. She's grump or he's grumpy because she's rebuffed his advances uh, let it be known that because he is a fat little boy, every shot of him in this movie features him eating double food, as in he has the same food in each hand. Yes. Uh, he, he cannot have a single food. He must two-fist all foods. Yeah, he only double-wields, dual-wields food. He has a prestige class for that. Uh, and also, yes. to, to drive home that he's not a cool kid like our heroes, he is wearing comically huge suspenders and a dumb hat. Yeah, he... He makes no sense. He's... He spends a lot of time in, like, full overalls for no reason. He's a bizarre cross between the bully from Pee Wee Herman, Dennis the Menace, just any generic little fat boy. They just took every possible negative kid stereotype and just rammed him into one character. Yes, indeed. Uh, And after he pushes those carts, oh no, PJ and Goose go flying into him. And this is probably one of the weirdest scenes for me, where... Judy's going to get fired for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even though she explains, hey, it's not my fault. Both PJ and Goose are like, hey, don't fire her. It's not her fault. Yeah. I mean, and the- he's just like, nah, fuck you. You're out. Well, re- he he's really firing her, not because of the crash or anything, but specifically because this accident happened because three other little kids were around. And so he's blaming her for attracting other little kids who will cause mischief. Yeah, your friends here, and apparently they've never met. Yeah, and they make that clear. They've never met. They're like, they're like, uh, oh no, we've never seen her before in our lives. And he's like, I don't care, I don't care. I, she's out of here. Everyone's everyone's fired. Fuck off. This is we're, we're just doing this. Like every other adult in this movie, except the lady cop. I'm a mean piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Although I gotta say the tone that PJ and Goose have, where they are like apologizing to her for them almost <laughs> like murdering themselves flipping over carts that she was supposed to be in charge of well it's because they're both very just, strange to me i mean you can tell by the time we get to the, the cemetery scene you can tell that one or both of them are immensely thirsty for some sweet nicole kidman meat and so i think that's probably what's happening because it's like she gets fired and they take her out to 
an arcade for some lunch. And then they're like, also, we're going to get you your own BMX bike and we're going to fix our own BMX bikes. Yeah, we're going to figure out a money scheme to do stuff. And here's ice cream. It's the least we could do for getting hit by carts. If it was any more, we couldn't do it. You see, the thing about PJ and Goose, John, (laughs) is that PJ and Goose are basically the origin story for Statler and Waldorf. They talk like two bad comedy screenwriters who did not take any any time to think to themselves, wait a minute, these are children. (laughs) And that's why I love Goose, because he's always the punchline delivery guy. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, PJ just does setups, and Goose just does punchlines, and it's all they ever say. Every single thing. No matter how tense or serious the situation is, one of them's just like, Oh, I think things are looking bad now. And then the other one's like, things are looking bad now. You should see us when we're in prison. (laughs) Knack, knack, knack. Every time. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's great. I love it. (laughs) It's so irritating, but I also kind of love it. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, PJ and Goose have basically adopted Judy into their circle. And Judy is on board completely. Has... No parents that she needs to worry about, apparently. Yeah, the closest thing we see to parent figures in this movie ever is that uh, Goose's dad owns a small dinghy. We never see him. indeed. We never see him. We never see any evidence that any of them have homes. (laughs) No, they all, from like morning till midnight, are hanging out doing whatever. And I'm like, you know, at least one of you had a job before, like... There's, you you probably have to explain something to your folks. Nope, never. And you know what, John? As a fellow feral street urchin child, I kind of get this. <laughs> I spent many a summer just sort of aimlessly wandering the suburbs of Los Angeles, not allowed at any houses. <laughs> just biking around, yeah. aimlessly hoping that someone would show up. I, of course, I couldn't afford complex BMX pads and shit, so I was riding around on a off the Sears catalog, huffy white heat, and, you know, just flaying my Bozak in a variety of different crashes. <laughs> but ultimately, the spirit is the same. I was just zipping here and here and there, unallowed inside of buildings. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, so the first money scam that they're going to try, and we're getting right into it because that's the way this movie works, is that they are going to go out to the docks in a dinghy, like there's bait docks, and they're going to pick mussels off the bait dock because they can sell those. Yes, Meanwhile, (laughs) there is a bank heist going on with a group of like five dudes. Uh, The (laughs) they get together and they're putting on their masks and they've all got these pig masks. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And then one of them puts on a wolf mask. And I was like, three of you have pig masks and one has a wolf. That's clever. I like it. Of course, the wolf mask guy is just the getaway driver, so you only ever see him put it on, and then it never shows up again. Yeah, the other three are the only ones who actually go into the bank. We do have a fifth person in a different getaway car for some reason? Oh, yeah, they do a double drop, where uh, where they steal the money and then transfer it from one car to another, so that the, if the, they were being chased in the one car, the money would disappear with the other one. Uh, but we meet them all in a warehouse, and it's just a gaggle of, you know, generic crime doers and an angry jeffrey jones looking boss yes and who is he british wants... so he's the only person in the movie whose voice i can try and do <laughs> yes and he's so angry that he came to australia he <laughs> thought he was gonna make it big here 
down under. And it turns out there's no big to make it there. Everything sucks. <laughs> the only thing big there are the spiders, am I right? Ah-cha-cha! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh... He's he's grumpy, but he does show up to give everybody their cut of the money. And then he's like, listen here, you lot. We've got an additional job that we're going to be doing, but it relies heavily on these gimmicky walkie-talkies I bought from the United States. For some reason, these United States walkie-talkies are the exact same one that the police in Australia use, and we can modify them so that we can talk on them and listen to the police, but they won't be able to hear us. Which, you know, sounds like a useful tool until you realize really all it is is two tools. Uh, yeah, all, I'm all like, you, really you could just is... get a radio and then also walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah, you have regular-ass walkie-talkies and some police band scanners. You have the same thing. But these things, which are just like, oh, it's both of those things, but they're in one huge clunky box. Uh, yeah. They do the job of two. Great. But they are so vitally important that they have specifically these things. And they are going to send two of these goons out, and those will be the only two goons that matter. While Honestly, we do have five goons, there's only two that really have any screen time. Yeah, those two and the boss are the only ones who get any kind of screen time. Honestly, the boss setting up the heist that never happens was far and away the saddest thing about the movie for me because he's like, look, you lot, we're going to do Spy Hunter. Like, we're going to do the video game Spy Hunter. We're going to trick a, a, an armored car driving into an empty furniture van on the freeway. It's going to be fucking awesome. And then nothing like that ever happens. Oh, yeah, because he sets down and he's like, all right, we're going to get this. And then this van gonna, is going to go in there. Everybody's going to make a quarter mil each. And it's the most amazing thing, but we got to move on it quick because it's going to happen soon. And you're thinking like, oh, wow, these BMX bandits are going to have to like contend with all of these criminals and they'll be doing sweet rad BMX stunts to stop him, and that is not the plot of this film. <laughs> not even close. I mean, I'm just saying, waste of a spy hunter premise. I was really excited to see that that stunt potential, and then instead of that, what happens in the movie is just a bunch of wacky dacky car chases and the same synth song over and over again for an hour. <laughs> it's true. So at this point, we are introduced to the two relevant goons of the movie, and they are uh, pretty much just Dick Valentine and Billy Idol. Uh, they are known as Whitey and Mustache, which mm-hmm. is because one of them has a mustache mm-hmm. and the other one has dyed their hair white. Exactly, which makes him the Billy Idol and the other one is the Dick Valentine. There you, you go. M- you may not know Dick Valentine off the top of your head. He is the lead singer of Electric Six and a dead ringer for this guy. Oh, well, there you go. Yes, indeed. Yeah, see? So uh, so there you have it. These two bumbling morons are going to be our common foil, the Bulkin skull of the film, uh, as our... Young youths are plucking barnacles off the hull of an old bait dock. Nicole Kidman notices a string poking out of the water. And then they have a whole lot of jokey shtick about what might be on the end of the string. And And this is the point where they become just thieves. Before they were enterprising young people trying to be like, all right, well, you know, we can try and get seafood out here. We can like fish for stuff. We can get barnacles. We can do whatever. And then as soon as they were like, oh, we found someone's stuff that's unattended. Let's steal it. I mean, to be fair, someone's unattended stuff where they're like, well, we are going to hide it off a public bait barge in Sydney Harbor using string and burying it offshore is like, you're not really stealing you're you're more or less just switching who's doing crime 
Like if, if you find obviously stolen hidden shit and you're like, well, this is mine now, then you're you're probably still doing less crime than the first guy. Yeah, but they don't know that. Like, they don't think, oh, this is definitely some crime guy's stuff and we're going to take it from them. Who They're others? just like, this is salvage. We're allowed to just keep anything we find as who, long as we're out on the water. Who else's stuff is submerged underwater, tied by a string to an abandoned debate barge? It's crime uh, stuff. That's where you put crime stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the rules of Australia. I mean, let me sure, ask you, it might be crime stuff for us. Let me ask you this, John. How much of your stuff do you store hidden in underwater components far offshore? Well, I don't live near the shore anymore, so not at all. You live near the uh, Santee Lakes. How much How <laughs> much stuff you got, got sunk into the bottom of Santee Lakes attached by string to a convenient duck? A <laughs> convenient duck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's very clearly crime shit, but they steal the cl- crime shit, and they get away right as uh, Billy Idol and, and R- Dickie Valentine show up, uh, who, of course, just discover that the, the stuff's been stolen, and they're like, it has to have been those kids. That was the weirdest thing, because the three of them get this box that they pull up and decide, fuck it, this is ours now, and get it into the boat and go off. They're nowhere near the barge when they pass the boat of Whitey and Mustache, but they happen to, like, have a near miss, basically? Well, yeah, Mustache is driving the boat like a fucking idiot. Uh, He has a speedboat, but he's just zipping it around left and right for no reason. And they have to, as they pass each other... um, they they have to yell like oh nice boat or whatever you know like because they're they're kids and they just have to comment on everything they've ever seen. Well, yes. Well, they get to their their hidden warehouse and they open up the case to discover a bunch of big walkie talkies. And uh, notably, yes, at the moment, the walkie talkies work just like they're supposed to, but the opposite. So they they work like walkie talkies that the police can hear, but the kids can't hear the police. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. I think. What is supposed to be happening is that when they go test them, because they all go out to like three different parts of the city to see how far the range is, Mm -hmm. and they're talking on it, I think it isn't until they turn it off because they're satisfied that the police start talking on it? Maybe. I mean, I could have sworn that the first thing that happened was a police officer like grabbed a, a, a microphone in the station and was like, all right, you, you have to turn that off because... That's a police band. Now bring whatever you're talking on to a police station immediately. No, and- that was after they had been like, hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm over here. I, I guess. The other thing I found weird about this scene was the part where, was it Goose, I think, where Goose felt like he desperately needed to hide his, his walkie-talkie from a random cop? Yeah, he was walking across the street to be like, oh, I gotta go to wherever I'm gonna be, and sees a cop and has to like, hide it behind his back and do a little spin to make sure the cop doesn't see it. But they don't know these are cop walkie-talkies. They just think they're random walkie-talkies they found. Yeah, they they are weirdly... Like, they're just worried that the police will take anything from them that they have. Like, I guess that makes sense. Maybe this isn't really just Australia, but it's also, like, Nottingham or something. <laughs> like, if the police see you with any kind of thing that's a technology thing, they'll be like, oh, we need to take that for Prince John. Taxes, that's don't right. you know? Just like in Sherwood Forest, any technology that you would have was taken by the sheriff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you were watching the same movie I was, where that was definitely the case. Oh, yeah. 
they they were there talking to Friar Tuck and are like, what is that, a cell phone? Give me that. Give me that, Friar Tuck. And he was like, no, I'll bash you with my tummy, I will. <laughs> Get out of here. So. I think I'm a badger or something. Yeah, Maybe he's, a, a he's a badger. And I think he, is he Jim Cummings or he's just a guy who has that same kind of structure. Is and he Cummings? He, he might be coming. He might be coming hard all the time for the Lord. <laughs> for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Anyway. uh, Yeah, he's really afraid of this cop. And, and with good reason, because he. He tries to do a little spin move so that the cop can't see what's behind his back. And he's like, good morning, officer. And the officer's like, piss off, you crappy youth. Yeah, I love that, like, at least when the first cop talked to them, they were being basically nuisances on their bikes. Mm -hmm. And, like, they did a jump off of a car. So at that point, yeah, you're going to be a little pissed at him. But this point, it's just a kid going down the street being nice. And he's like, oh, fuck you, buddy. Oh, I'll show that kid. I hate the youth. It was, it was That's just weird. true. It was just weird. Um, but yeah, now they have walkie talkies that the police can hear, but they can't hear the police. Uh, and so they do the obvious thing that any kid would do in this situation, which is start selling them one by one to other children. And John, John, I, John. Yeah. Yes. Yes. John. Yes. <laughs> what good is one walkie talkie? Uh, that doesn't none? hear anything. It's no fucking none good. good? And they're just walking around selling them to kids. And, and the kid's like, so what does this do? And they're like, oh, it's a, it's a walkie-talkie, mate. And, and well, what's it do? Well, it, it you know, you can talk to other people on it. But, you know, I'm going to give you one. So hopefully one of your friends buys one, because otherwise I just sold you the $20 box. The weird thing is, they go around and have a montage of them trying to sell these to kids. But then later in the film, like... Everyone who has them is an adult who then gets in a hilarious mix-up with them. That's true, yeah. They they only show them selling them to little kids. Uh, and the little kids are all, like, very vain about them, asking things like, well, does it come in other colors and stuff? But yeah, there's a scene in the movie where they are used to comedic effect by causing a montage of crazy explosions, and the only people who have them are, like, construction foremen. It's very strange, because it's all just, like, weird construction accidents that happen because... They're like, oh, I'm going to give you the signal to go on the walkie-talkie, and when I do, then you go. And then one of them on the other line says go, and mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I guess that's the signal. <laughs> <laughs> when I say go, you drop the extremely heavy weight that's currently hovered over my car. Okay, well, I can do that, boss, if you say so. Anyway, I'm going to go play some music by OK Go. <laughs> uh. Okay, so, uh... God damn it. Yeah, they sell all these walkie-talkies to kids, and they are comically pursued for hours on end by uh, the mustache and, and bleach bleach job, uh, who ha are just, you know, the the wackiest, zaniest couple of criminals. Bleach job has no driver's license and yet is constantly trying to drive. Yes, it is his mission in life to wreck this car for some reason. Every time they get out of the car, when they rush back to the car, he jumps into it. Also, by the way, the cops can or the villains can only seem to enter their car through the sunroof. That's the only way they allow themselves in or out of the vehicle. Mm. Uh, even though it's just a normal mid-market sedan, it's not cool looking. It looks like it sucks to get in and out that way. Uh, we do have that. the first time that they go after the kids, though. There's an entire graveyard scene where, like, they think that the two goons are the police coming after them. Because they're like, oh no, someone found out that we stole someone's stuff. Right. And they go through the cemetery. The goons, for some reason, have two, like, goblin masks as well as pig masks. 
Oh, so, yeah, that's right. He's like, uh, one of the mustaches, like, look, I'm not going to dress up as a pig again. Uh, and then I'm not going to go through a cemetery as a pig. Yeah, and then Bleach Job is like, oh, you don't have to. I've got special custom disguises for just this occasion. And I'm like, why? Why, why do you why do you have zombie masks in case you have to what do you have to rob a cemetery? <laughs> uh, and so we get a little chase scene. Now, this is going to be. Uh, one of the two synth songs that happened, which is, this sounds mostly like a synth song from, like, a John Carpenter film of about the same era. Yeah, where the other synth song sounds most, it's the one they use for, like, action chases and stuff towards the end. And it kind of sounds like the opening beat to the Raccoons theme song, that Run With Us song. Uh, yes. Uh, so, but both of them sound way worse than the two things we're describing, because John Carpenter music and that Run With Us song both fucking slap. <laughs> uh, uh, this is where we get the only background information on any character at all and it's for goose <laughs> it's so true yeah uh but basically there's a bunch of bumbling sneaking around in a graveyard poking the bad guys in the eyes blah 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 but eventually nicole kidman falls into an open grave yeah, you know how they just leave them open graves. You have to. It's for comedic pe uh, potential. Everyone, it's it's in the charters of every good cemetery. But she falls in there, can't get out, and eventually she reaches up, snags PJ, and drags him no, in there. Goose. Goose, excuse me. Snags Goose and drags him in there with her. Yeah, which seems like a weird choice, because you'd think she, instead of dragging him down, she would go, hey, help me out. Now, this is the this is the point where... Goose starts explaining his love of horror movies, uh, which are all made up and all sound stupid as hell. Yes, but at so, least there is some level of character to him. PJ and Judy basically just exist as teens on bikes. Like, that's the only thing they are. They have no desires or personality. It's just hanging out. Goose is the only one who's like, hey, I have a thing I'm interested in. I like horror movies. I think they're neat. Well, I think also, you're so you <laughs> I'm ahead. totally into you, Judy. Oh, the scene is so awkward and embarrassing. But no, I think Judy is supposed to have the interest of BMX bikes because she she's been saving money and getting summer jobs to try and buy one, and when she does finally get on one for the first time in her life, she's really good at them already. Yeah. So she's I like, think hey, you know all those tricks you could do? I can do them too. My first time. Yeah, so I think there's they're all supposed to be interested in that. But yeah, Goose has the secondary sub-interest of horror movies, but all the horror movies sound like, uh, you know, he's probably 15, and he's ad-libbing them. Because he's just like, oh yeah, one time I saw this movie, and it was called uh, You Got Blood on My Carburetor. And, <laughs> and he's just going on and on about like, oh, and then someone was totally mental in it, and obviously they had an ex. And it's just... For for so long, every time, and it had there, there's like four scenes of this in the movie. Oh, and then oh, yeah. he tries he's to got kiss to her. Explain what the thing is. He's like, ah, oh, and then you know they went down to the beach, and then he killed a whole bunch of people, and then you had to stick your hand in a hole, and he didn't know if there was something on the other side. And I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say his name was Stumpy from then on. And you're like, okay, yeah, that does spoil it. So what are you, what are you fucking doing? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to want to see these movies you're describing. They sound incredibly loose and made up, like, uh, like interdimensional. <laughs> it's a cable real wood. improvisational tone to these movies. <laughs> okay, at this point in the movie, there's uh, a killer old women are coming and they're coming hot, <laughs> and they're uh. going to uh, cross attack the brothers. Uh, uh. Where's my green cube, Morty? <laughs> gotta go to bendigo <laughs> uh okay so 
so he tries to kiss her down in this grave uh, after spending a lot of time trying to alternately scare her and comfort her, which is just some shithead moves. So let me go ahead and tell you. But then she's immediately like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to kiss you. What, are you. what are you doing? And so he launches into a pitiable litany of reasons why he thinks he's the worst one between him and, and PJ. Well, yeah, because he's like, oh, PJ's the one that you want because he's so sexy. He's got that hot body. You see him in those little short shorts that he will wear throughout this entire film and nothing else. Well, sometimes he wears. (laughs) He's Mr. Atlas. Have you seen him? God, just look at those fucking buns i could bounce a quarter off of those i bet you'd I like just to get take uh, a bite out of them <laughs> just get lost in his furry chest hair uh and she's like no i i don't i've never seen him with a shirt on. oh well i have and uh just God, i just want him to hold me for hours i just want to go <laughs> go take a ride on his bike just just sit behind him and really dig my hands into his firm chest god i PJ. mean i I wish it was more revealing of him having secret cr- a secret crush on his best friend, but instead it's him trying to use when he realizes that scaring her and comforting her and then just straight up trying to kiss her didn't work. He's going to try and pity her into kissing him. Yes. And the, luckily, the, the the tension is finally diffused when when uh, PJ pops up on on their walkie talkie and is like, hey, your walkie talkie's been on the whole time. He's like, yo, I can hear everything you're saying. And, you know, Goose, I'm. I'm into it if you are too. Look, w- w- I know it's early '80s Australia, and we'll almost definitely be fed to saltwater crocodiles for this or whatever the fuck backwards <laughs> thing we do here. Uh, let, let's let's take a gamble. Let's ride off into the sunset together, you and me. Let's get just crazy with. I know we already ride BMX bikes everywhere we go, but I'd like to introduce a new kind of pegging to our dynamic. I think we should probably be rollerblading instead of BMXing now. <laughs> oh well, now that's just a stereotype. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'm not into it anymore. Also, those won't be invented for another 20 years. <laughs> uh, okay. blades were not invented in 2002. I know. I was thinking that when I said it. it, it don't worry about it. It was sometime <laughs> in, the, in the late 80s. Jeez. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, okay. Uh, well, the, anyway, comedy of errors, blibbity blabbity. They escape the guys. Yes. But now, they keep getting chased by them over reason, and over again. I was going to say, for some reason, these guys are just unerring in their ability to find these three well to the to the villain's credit these three idiots do not go home at any point this movie they just keep biking to more locations you'd think they'd just be like all right let's just go home and you know be in our houses and we'll probably if they don't follow just lie us low for <laughs> maybe a minute <laughs> now we gotta we gotta ride around the mall <laughs> i love the world's most low rent blues brothers scene that this is oh my god there's so many parts of it where the villains could just reach out and grab these kids who are slowly biking around oh, but god. yeah no i mean ultimately at this point the movie it, the movie is degenerated into all three of the kids have bikes because they managed to sell enough walkie talkies to get nicole kibb in her bike so we watch her do some tricks while a song about boys plays uh, boys 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 yeah it's, it's that song it's uh, it's boys 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 the the summer jam about nipple slips uh <laughs> plays but no it's some australian song about how boys are always trying to watch you uh and then everyone has bikes and then for this point after that it's just car chase it's just being chased by the villains and then getting a break to talk for a second and then being chased by the villains over and over again and the only thing they break for is police stuff and to bother the fat kid. Yeah, there is for 
the first half hour of this, when they didn't have the BMX bikes, I was like, oh, this actually is not quite what I thought it was going to be, where it was just like people BMXing everywhere and it's just, you know, barely any plot or whatever. Like, oh, people are talking. There's some, you know, even if it's some stupid, like, ah, uh, we stole from some gangster type things. I was like, oh, stuff's going on. But the second they get their bikes back, it's like, hey, this might as well just be all one long shot of us riding bikes for the next hour. It is, and they never change the music. It's just this one synth song. Over and over again for the next entirety of the movie. Yes. And, and you know, they just get chased over a variety of different types of traversals. So you're like, oh, did you want to watch BMX bikes go down like a crane or through a narrow series of slalom courses or something? Well, guess what, buddy? You're in luck. And every time that they do anything, they're going to end up right back on a street and that's where the car's gonna be so every it didn't time. matter it's every single time and also like we mentioned earlier i really want to drive this home because lord did it ever drive me nuts uh every time every time any of them does a trick it's like psh, wait for it psh. okay we probably gotta do what yeah there it is there's the third guy okay good glad we watched that uh, oh good they're setting up another one yeah it's it gets real bad when you have the three in a row for the sounds. Yeah. But then they do like three things that are worthy in a row as well. So you're so you watching get like nine back to back pajous. <laughs> nine pajous. <laughs> Look, I needed nine pajous. <laughs> I need you to go to the deli and get me nine pajous. Don't be a I gotta make a mama's spagooch. <laughs> Don't be a jabooch. Give me my spanooms. <laughs> uh, no uh but yeah no they get chased into a mall and they do an extremely embarrassing blues brother sequence which is funny because it's a point where the two guys are or the two villains are not only out of but away from their car so you'd think the three kids would be like oh sweet well now we have the advantage given that we have bicycles let's get out somewhere on an open stretch and just go away from this place but instead they just keep riding around on escalators and through restaurants yeah the weirdest thing to me is neither one of them are able to escape or get the other because there are times when it's like, what is this? We're on a straightaway. All right, well, you're going on a bike. Like, they're in a car. They can just run you down. They don't. And then, like you say, they get into the mall and they're like, oh, they're on foot and now you're on bikes, but still you can't seem to get away from them. No, it, it's because they don't even really try. Instead, they're like, well, they're they're hot on our tail. We could just keep going, or for no reason, we could take a hard left into a shoe store and do a bunch of narrow turns up and down the aisles of the shoe store. Yeah. And, and, well, you're, and you know, you're thinking, well, there's no back exit to that shoe store, so the thugs could just stand in the doorway and wait for you to get tired of this. Yeah, but, you know, instead they chase them into the shoe store, and then they get shoes pushed on them. Oh, no. And then someone gets mad when they try to run through the restaurant, and a cop looks mad because a pizza falls on his head. And a million other jokes that I don't remember because this scene goes on for so fucking long that all I remember is synth music and pijou. Yeah, there's one payoff in this scene, which is that the uh, pizza actually lands next to the manager of the plaza who fired Nicole Kidman earlier. Mm -hmm. And when he is talking to uh, Whitey and Mustache, who are pretending to be cops at this point, 
And he's like, oh, who's going to pay for all this damage? He's like, ah, not us. Just consider it a tax break. Write it off. He's like, that's not fair. Well, life's not fair, buddy. And you're like, oh, it's the same thing that he told her earlier. And now he's he's getting his comeuppance. Somehow that's that's, that's reminding me of a scene that we skipped over, which is the one where the two goons do manage to corner Nicole Kidman alone, Judy, in like a warehouse somewhere. And they decide to put on a cop routine, which they're both very bad at. Yes, but that's because they're bumbling idiots and they yeah. decided to do anything based on what would be the stupidest thing we could do right now. Yeah, but she manages to get away from them. I believe she probably kicks one in the balls because that's this kind of movie. But who knows? She gets away. They they chase and chase and chase and chase. Uh, and eventually they, they formulate a plan where they're just going to wrap the box up and give it back to the thugs to get the thugs off their backs. I do want to mention during this chase scene that there is a point where they go down a water slide with their BMX bikes. Now, also, let me say, not on the BMX bikes, just with them. Yeah, they hold their BMX bikes as they go down the water slide. The thing I was disappointed in in that scene was that we do not see them landing in a pool and then having to haul their BMX bikes out of a pool. Yes. Uh, also, Instead, we get Mustache getting drenched in his ridiculous blue and yellow suit. He looks like... There's a scene in I think the show I think you should leave where they're like you're the one who's dressed like a hot dog and then he's like well so's that guy and there's a guy with a red shirt and bright yellow tie that is mustache's outfit yes also accidentally dressed like a hot dog um but no he get, he also gets pushed down a water slide and not by any of our heroes by a random fat little eight year old yep who just <laughs> just sees him looking at the water slide walks up behind him pushes him and then walks back away which is great because. I mean, I assume there is no supervision in Australia at all. No, so no. The, there the would be of, no one watching this. The job of lifeguard is only temporary in Australia and only when Baywatch visits. <laughs> uh, uh, otherwise, otherwise, they're just like, oh, you want us to watch the water? Why? There's a lot of killer stuff in there. Don't go in it. Hey, if it's, uh, you want to go in the water, that's your own deal. But uh, you're going to get bit by a shark. Or stung by a jellyfish or eaten by a saltwater crocodile. I mean, it, it's a bad idea. I mean, my accent slipping away from me. Oh, it's but- a bad idea. Hey, what are you <laughs> hey, doing here? Get your booch. I'm a spagooch. <laughs> you get that Peugeot I want? <laughs> You're going to get eaten by a Peugeot if you go out that water. <laughs> it is dark. You are likely to be eaten by a Peugeot. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, they eventually are like, we can't live like this being chased by, by criminals for forever. Uh, oh, you know what? Before they even think of doing that, instead, they get caught by the police. Yeah, and the police are like, hey, you, don't don't be stupid and ride your bikes around. You three did crimes. Now, thankfully, it was all due to the genius police work of uh, Extremely Horny Lady Cop, because they were all listening in on this constant walkie-talkie conversation the kids were having, and at one point she just goes, oh, hold on, I think they're all using BMX slang all the time. Yeah, we're looking for kids on bikes. Probably at drive through RPG or something. Specifically looking for kids on BMX bikes, because they keep saying shit like goose and bunny hop and other words that I think probably mattered to kids a lot more in 1983. Hmm. Uh, so, so the cops pick them up, and then they kind of do like the tough cop routine where they're like, look, you three know you're in a lot of trouble, uh, but you know, to your credit, luckily the two guys who have been chasing you are both wanted by the law, so if you can help us find them, there's going to be a reward blah, 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 but you can't help us. We won't let you help us. And so the kids are like, well, if you won't let us help you, we're going to steal the evidence and run away again and have more chases. 
<laughs> yeah, the the fact that they're like, oh, uh, the cops don't want us to meddle in cop affairs with trying to apprehend known armed and dangerous criminals. That sounds like horseshit. Let's fuck with them. <laughs> At this point, they they come up with their plan, which is to give the cop or the thugs back the box. But now the box is empty. And they're going to like trick cops to come to the same or the trick that you're going to give the box back to the thugs and then trick cops to go to that location. Yeah. And they are going to just arm an army of kids on bikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, which what the ar- by arm an army of kids on bikes. What we really mean is give them all bags of flour and water balloons. Yes. And it's real sad to see <laughs> this entire plan of like, ooh, we're going to do the the cool spy hunter thing and we're going to get a a truck and have a van get into the truck and then we're going to steal the stuff from the van. Ooh, uh, and then they get taken down by like 50 kids throwing bags of flour at them. Hey, have you ever been hit with a bag of flour? That shit sucks. Also, I haven't, although I got to say, looking at the criminals getting hit, I'm like, Man, that's got to suck. They got, yeah. like, flour in their mouth. That probably sucks. No, it's not great. Uh, I-, I thought it was notable that the primary lieutenant of their child army, because he's the only other person in the movie with any lines, is the creep, the little short fat kid. And it's it's not enough that they've, you know, he was mean to them in the beginning, but there's a point in the middle of the movie where he's just wandering by with two identical ice cream cones, and the, the our two hero boys just ride by and take them from him. Yeah, take one bite out of it each and then throw it on the ground. There's no point where this kid does anything to them. He's mean to Nicole Kidman the one time. They don't even see that happen, but apparently he's just on their okay shit list. Like, you can fuck with this kid because he's a dumpy little fat kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, he does give off that whole, like, Lawrence from Pee Wee that you're like, oh, okay, this is this is one of those kids who's rich and is an asshole to people. Right. And I get it. But, like, it seems like you're kind of being the bigger assholes here. It really does. I mean, that scene is extended, and it is mean. They take both his ice creams, throw them on the ground. He runs after yelling at them, falls, and gets ice cream on his butt, and 15 other kids start laughing at him. Yeah, I was like, this would be more of a comeuppance if he had actually done stuff in this movie. Yeah, no, they were, the uh, filmmakers were relying entirely on the fact that the character looked the way he did to ensure that the kids would be like, yeah, fuck that kid. Yeah. If you're wearing green and yellow striped sweaters and overalls, fuck you. <laughs> but no, when trouble when trouble breaks out, he is their rock. He is the lieutenant of their child army, and he's the one who spots the moving truck w- uh, when they try and escape in it. Because uh, obviously, you know, th- they... They try to do an exchange where they give the the thugs back their box, and the thugs are like, "Great, yeah. Also, we've got guns, so we're just gonna kidnap Nicole and, Kidman." Yeah, we're gonna take uh, Judy here as insurance so that you don't do anything stupid. And they're both flabbergasted. They're like, "Wait, you mean criminals with an agenda would be mean to us children who have been bothering you for three days? You're not just gonna take this box sight unseen and." Go on your merry way? How weird! <laughs> so they they kidnap Nicole Kidman, and now it's time to mobilize their child army, and they go and they attack. Yes, and now, like, the two of them show up first, and they're like, oh, we're gonna get you, and we're gonna shoot you, I got guns in the trunk, 
And then, like, Nicole Kidman grabs the keys and closes the trunk and throws the keys away. And they're like, oh, no, now we can't use guns against children. And then, like, rising over the crest, like, the riders of Rohan. <laughs> it's Gandalf. 50 kids. He came with the, mor- with the morning sun. Fucking chubby Gandalf is here, and he's got kids on bikes. Yeah, and, and now 50 kids on bikes attack with water balloons and flour, and it's a whole ridiculous comedy of errors where a bunch of thugs are getting run over with B- with tiny BMX bikes and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, all that happens is that the main three villains take Nicole Kidman, stuff her in a different car, and drive away again. So Yes, and that just means our two heroes have to be separated from their child army and go after them themselves. Basically, what happens is that both sides of the, the villains and the heroes in the movie assemble a herd and then immediately thin the herd. <laughs> And then right back to the only people that matter among them. Yeah, now we're doing a, a truck chase. Uh, Goose has managed to get up onto the truck. PJ is riding alongside it on a bike when they both get on board. Again, they... the exact opposite of that. Uh, okay, a, a Goose has managed to get onto the truck, and PJ is that the human. That is, is the there first too. thing you said? No, no, this time I'm saying that a Goose is on the truck. <laughs> One Goose on the truck. Mm-hmm. The human PJ is there as well, but also a Goose. Also a goose. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So PJ's on the truck. Goose manages to chase after him. And there's a bunch of stuff where they're trying to shake him off the truck by doing turns and blah, blah, blah. And who cares? Uh, but it, it's just a long, eventually, bo- boring chase. Now we cut to my favorite thing in the film. Yes. Eventually, the two of them manage to sort of work their way from the top of the truck towards the front. And there is a tarp they can put down. And this is going to cause the truck to crash. But first, let us set a scene for you. Yeah, you see, there's a, two guys, and they have a hose attached to some sort of machine on the back of a truck. And the machine on the back of the truck is helpfully labeled Foam Fertilizer Unit. So they're, Indeed. They're fo- yeah, they are fo- they're using some sort of foam-based fertilizer to fertilize a tiny 10-square-foot patch of grass. Uh, and this whole thing is being supervised not only by a nebbish, officious-looking man with a clipboard and glasses, but by a nebbish, officious-looking assistant to the man with clipboard and glasses. Indeed. It so there seems are four guys out doing this job. It seems very important, whatever they're doing, because they've got the two professionals that are doing the foam fertilization, the two people looking over it, and there are also, like, a half-dozen cars there and, like, people milling around in the background. I'm like, what are... What are you doing? Are like you first, testing whether foam fertilizer works? At first, I thought it must be a prototype thing. Like, they're out there testing a new kind of foam, a special kind of foam fertilizer or something. But ultimately, I dismissed that because the truck was an old-ass truck with an old-ass stencil job on it that said foam fertilizer and had a phone number. Yeah, but so then like, that's what all professional cars look like in Australia. <laughs> Even if they're testing a new thing, first they spray paint the truck so that it looks like it's like it's new, and then they ro- drive it to Alice Springs and back so it looks like a real piece of shit. And they're like, great, yeah. now we can start the prototyping of our product. Indeed. It's all part of the process. Yeah, I, I sure, I guess. But in, in actuality, it looks like they've got an old fertilizer truck, and for some reason it takes four guys, and for some additional reason... It takes you taking a huge field because this whole thing takes place in a football field kind of area and fertilizing a little tiny staked off area of it. Yeah, which is why I was like, oh, I guess they're testing this to see if it works. But yeah, 
but it's a variety of tests because there's a dude there taking notes with a clipboard. He's just like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's foam. That's foam. Yes, check. Okay, and is the foam on the grass? That's a secondary item in my thing. Ah, yeah, it is on the grass. Check. Uh, is my efficient or, or is my assistant looking punctual? Let me just put that to look. Your reaction to the test is part of the test. So, it, yes, this this truck goes crashing into the fertilizer foam unit thing and foam starts spraying everywhere and our our villains get all slippery and fall on their bum bums and so do our heroes and and so do these four random foam technicians so now everyone's slipping and a sliding and a flipping and a flopping in the foamy foam and now at this point i was like wait a minute isn't this supposed to be fertilizer of some kind you guys are all definitely poisoned I mean, maybe. It depends on what kind of fertilizer that is. Some fertilizers just shit, like literally just some poop. This might be aerosolized poop. Yeah, but you're probably fucking poop poisoned in your mouth with all this foam you got going on. <laughs> Look, I think we all know that in Australia, all fertilizer is made out of the aerosolized remains of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Obviously. That's just that's just leftover residual marshmallow goop. Uh, from a movie that was, again, not going to happen for another year or two. <laughs> uh, anyway, you'd think this would be a good point for, like, uh, the, poli- uh, the police do indeed arrive, but we're already panning back in a helicopter shot because the movie's over. Oh, yeah. The, the end of this movie is just, oh, I guess they took the reward for finding these criminals and used it to open up their own BMX park. Mm-hmm. Which seems super awesome, but you know full well when you were a kid and you got obsessed over something at the age of 13 that by 15 you were like, eh. I mean, I guess at least they own it. So if they, I guess, charge people to use it, then they might make something from it. It's 1982. They build this wonderful BMX track and they ride around on it to another Australian song about about doing BMX moves and that references a lot of BMX tricks. Uh, By 1985... It's all just people getting fucking railed on cocaine out there. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I do want to mention the Whole movie is just over. Meals. We're we're getting uh, the credits at this point. Everything's done. I want to mention real quick. Please. Back during the mall chase scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The three of them go down an escalator on their BMX bikes. And there is a small child. And his reaction to this is BMX. Oh, right. <laughs> cuts back to them, cuts back to the child. Yeah! <laughs> Everyone was super into BMX. It was just, that's the most amazing reaction you could have to someone charging down an escalator on a bike is to just go, BMX! Now, what do you think there, was there a movie specifically about rollerblades? I mean, there has to be. There are so many stupid movies about basically anything you could do. Like, I'm thinking Rollerball, but Rollerball was really more about, like, street hockey than specifically rollerblading. Yeah. So now I'm wondering if there was just a movie. Because, I mean, at this point, I'm fascinated by the concept. And I'm like, how many movies are there about a fad sport that didn't, like, is there a roller racer movie? Is there a pogo ball movie? Well, what I would like to tell you right now is there's a 1993 movie called Airborne or uh, the Disney movie from 98, Brink. Or the or 2005 movie, Roll Bounce. Someone also Googled Rollerblade movie. <laughs> of course they did. Ooh, Roll Bounce stars Bow Wow and Chai McBride and Mike Epps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'm excited for all of these. They're all going on the list. <laughs> Everything goes on the list. I want to find every kind of dumb, sp- well, not dumb. I loved rollerblading, but I want to find every kind of like one-off sport that didn't last much more than a couple of years and see what movies there are about it. <laughs> the I fact to- that this is a spread of like 10 years for different rollerblade movies that we found is interesting to me. I mean, I'm going to guess that about half of those are actually about other sports you can do while on rollerblades. I mean, maybe. Airborne, I'm guessing, is yes. That's an actual movie about just rollerblading and doing tricks on rollerblades. But half of these look like they're actually about air ho- or hockey. Brink, in particular, is definitely about hockey. I mean, it might be. I mean, I played a lot of street hockey, don't get me wrong. And Roll Bounce is specifically about roller skating, not rollerblading. Mm, fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, now, is there a movie about those guys who, like, get lightweight car kind of things and use sails to drive them around on the salt flats one will never know anyway no that's the end of the movie though we pan out and over the credits we get to watch them riding around on their bmx track and apparently uh they also win the contest whatever contest that is at the end of the bmx movie because <laughs> the last shot is of them be getting medals or credit or trophies or whatever and being like yeah yeah we did it also we're the best at this so we built this pretty much for our own glory <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. We built trophies with our names already on them. It didn't matter. Who was going to win? The creep? <laughs> uh, okay, well, there's, uh, so there's there you the, go. That's the whole movie. That's that's everything. This is so weird. I, I mean, the, the thing that strikes me the most about most of this movie is just being like, wow, Nicole Kidman's hair when she was a kid was goddamn. Woof. It was, <laughs> uh, it was definitely something. <laughs> I wouldn't say woof exactly, just like I felt bad for her because brushing that rat's nest would have been completely impossible oh yeah her hair in this movie i think might have been the uh the inspiration for merida's hair and brave Mm. it's it's definitely it's untamed yeah it's untamed and wild and free and scottish and its mom is a bear (laughs) this hair's mom is a bear (laughs) it's completely true well there you go though that's the film yeah all right let's go ahead and do our bests and worsts jeff Give me the best thing in this film for I mean, okay, first of all, besides the fact that there's an actor in this film named Angelo D'Angelo, <laughs> I mean, that's got that's one of the best things in the movie by far. But no, it's definitely the part where there where four people are required to to foam in a small patch of land and everyone's like <laughs> taking it very serious and there's a guy like taking detailed notes and I'm just like, What are you assholes doing? That was my favorite part of the whole movie. More than watching Billy Idol and Dickie Valentine run around, more than anything. What about you, John? What was your favorite thing? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with how incredibly awkward that grave scene was with Goose and Judy. That part was rough. Just the second he reaches over and kisses her and then she like recoils back from him. I was like, ooh, nice. (laughs) I really wanted her to be like, okay, hold on, Angelo. You know I'm Nicole Kidman, right? (laughs) Also, this is an Angelo. Angelo D'Angelo is PJ. Oh, you're right. This is Goose. This is, uh, his name's something like Pete Lugden or something simpler. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that whole scene, between the fact that we actually got any amount of character development at all for anyone, and we got just the saddest, most awkward, pitiable moment out of it was great. Yeah, it was, uh... It was really something. I'm kind of sad so, when you look at the cast list. On, I'm on Wikipedia. Only three people out of this entire cast are clickable. Hmm. And neither Angelo nor James Lugton are clickable. So this is probably their movie. 
Yeah, I think I think one of them, I think it uh Goose the Lugton went on to be basically an Australian TV actor. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it, but, according to uh, this, he's most recently known for the movie. Oh, he was in Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Okay, so he's still getting work. Good for him. Yeah. Okay, well, right. there you have it. Uh, uh, worst so your thing favorite in thing- this movie for you. Yeah. Uh, oh, worst thing in the movie for me. Uh, it's going to be... <laughs> I mean, just watching it over and over and over again. And like we talked about, the part where where all three of them have bikes now so it's watching three kids do three tricks and you got to watch all three kids do all three tricks and they're going to put a little sound on every single one of them and it just goes on like that and sometimes it'll be that separated by watching the bumbling villains fall down and then that again and that's my least favorite part what about you oh i think my least favorite part of this i mean not so much the but anytime they have the little camera trick where it's like camera on the side of the car chasing after the kids every time i'm like just hit him just fucking you can go faster than 20 miles an hour well notably the two the two thugs in this movie absolutely do not want to kill these children like they 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 keep wanting to trick them or capture them and then get and then let them go it's not until the big villain the boss uh who also gets a little bit of background information as we during the final scary drive of the movie where he's like oh i was the the toast of tottenham and i was the lord of london and i thought i'd go to australia and be famous here and it sucks uh yeah the there is a point at least where they say oh we shouldn't kill him because then we, we kill won't him, find out where we won't learn nothing <laughs> we won't find out where the walkie talkies are if we kill them mm-hmm. but yeah, i was paraphrasing you know I also look at it and go, yeah, but you could just, like, ram them. You don't have to kill them. Just knock them off the bikes. <laughs> just do anything. Ride up alongside them and put a stick in their wheel. Just do something, you know? Anything at all. I think one of the major scenes we missed in this movie that was mega disappointing, after they escape the mall, the three kids find themselves in an enormous airplane hangar, which is empty, and it's yeah. just it's just car versus bike jousting for five minutes. Yeah. And it's mostly just car does donuts while kids <laughs> ride around near it. Uh-huh. For for like five minutes. And it's just, it, it's so pointless. Everything feels so lightweight and pointless in this. It's true. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and give this movie a rating. We're each going to give it a zero to five score, which will give the movie a rating out of 10. Jeff. Uh, this is a classic example of a two. It's got some noteworthiness to it, which makes it worth like looking into and reading up on, but actually trying to watch it, it is immensely boring. True. That said, I do find all three of these kids kind of wacky, charming in a, in a small way, and so I think I'll bump this one to a two and a half, and that's where I'm going to land. All right. A 2.5 uh, from the Jeff Judge. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to stick with the two. The It was definitely a movie that I'm like, if I didn't have a cell phone with me, I would be upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I there's had to pause enough this one. points in this where it's just we're going down a hill. There's a car. Let's go down a different hill. Oh no, the same car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is it it is an extremely hard movie to recommend openly. It is so boring and so repetitive. Yeah. So go ahead and give it a four and a half out of ten. That sounds about right. Yeah, I feel like that's right where we wanted to be. All right, so thank you so much for joining us, and if you didn't know, we finally got bonus content for our show here. 
Yep, we finally got boners. I mean, bonus content for our show right here on our own. I'll show you how much bonus content the Joker can make. (laughs) How much bonus content can be made about the Joker? Oh, it's just a ton. Oh, probably a lot. So much Jared Leto footage that was completely unused. Uh, So, yes, we uh, have our TV mastery going on right now. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the $5 level, you unlock everything that we put out. Uh, We put this at the $5 level just to sort of sweeten the deal for those that were supporting us there. Yep. But if you go there, we are putting out three shows with that, another four shows from the $2 that you get, another two from the $1, you get an ass load of content. We make too many shows. It's a good thing this is our full-time job because it is a full-time job. Yeah, it's a good thing that there is a pandemic and we can't go anywhere and all we have to do is this. Uh, Jeff's editor's note, it is not a good thing that there is a pandemic. You do not, under any circumstances, have to hand it to COVID-19. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead, join us over on our Patreon. We are going to be going through Smallville. We already did the pilot episode. We'll be jumping in on episode two this time. Yep, we're cruising the first whole season. Yeah, we will be (laughs) figuring out what's going on with Clark Kent as he does. And we'll see you soon.